In our uh, books this morning, um, lesson 11, just a few more lessons left in this book, in this series, uh, um, and quarter, but it's entitled, The Wages of Unrighteousness. Peter, uh, we're going to see today, makes a comparison of uh, false teachers and those who are living unrighteous life to brute beasts. Um, and he's going to uh, make a comparison back into the Old Testament of Balaam and his donkey uh, being rebuked and how empty uh, the words and the things are of a false teacher and even of those who are living unrighteous and unfaithful lives. He's making that comparison uh, with that. And uh, so he, he's going to lay out some, some good information for us uh, as we study uh, here in Second Peter this morning. And, and uh, the thoughts that our commentators have will be be good for us. Starts off with the first uh, statement there. Actions what? Yeah, that's something that we're really struggling with in our world today. Um, you know, even, uh, and we think, a lot of times we think about that, actions, we think about people who commit crimes, don't we? People who commit crimes and uh, break the law and make bad decisions and and those things. We think about that when we say actions have consequences. But think about it with me just for a moment as we begin this about the thought of spirituality. It's the same principle, isn't it? We're not breaking the land necessarily the laws of the land, but when we come to Christianity, whose laws are we breaking? God's law. God's word has said this. And just as we break laws here, the laws of the land, and we break God's law, and there's consequences here. Uh, of course, our consequences nowadays, a lot of situations are not fitting for the crime, if you will. Um, but you think about God's laws and breaking them. Peter's going to refer to them as what? When you break the having to pay or those wages of sin, he says, right? Uh, those wages. You're going to have to pay. When we think about wages, we think about getting paid, right? Um, but he says you're going to have to pay. This is what you're going to benefit or you're going to reap, if you will, if you live this way or if you do this. Now that's something I think we need to regain uh, again back in our, our society and our country but even in the Lord's church that there is, there are and there will be wages to pay or things to receive because of our actions while we're here upon this earth and at the end of time. We will have to pay our debt. 
and a lot of times uh, working with children and stuff as I do, a lot of times they something to happen, it always happens right at 2.30 when we're getting ready to go home. Something always goes, that's when it always blows up. And a lot of times those kids will think that myself or whoever will forget what they done since the day before. Uh, and to be honest with you, sometimes I have forgotten. <laughs> but guess what? God, don't forget. Yep. So it's, uh, you know, it's something seriously that we need to, to think about that for. And that's one thing I teach our kids at our elementary level and in, in our little programs that we do, that actions have consequences. Things, you know, good good actions bring good consequences. You know, you can say consequences is a result of. This is the result of this. This action, this event brings the result of this. And and again, our kids a lot of times have time, and not only our kids, but our adults <laughs> have a hard time believing that and, and you know, seeing it. Uh, or caring, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, just because our punishment is not immediate while we're here upon this earth sometimes, um, sometimes I think it is, but as a result of like the ultimate punishment of heaven or, or reward of heaven or punishment of hell, you know, that's, we always look at that sometimes way as in the future. And I'm just not going to deal with that right now or, or whatever. But anyway, he puts out actions have consequences. And then emphasizing that, the book says, Paul told the Galatians there, we know it very well, don't we? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows in the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Those who gratify the flesh with, will ultimately do what? Yeah, face their consequences. What is it referring to there who satisfy or, or gratify the flesh? What is that reference to? Yeah, um, you know, uh, things contrary to the Word of God. Um, those who live after worldly things, we could say. Um, Peter calls these consequences, as we've already stated, the wages of unrighteousness. And it gives you a reference there of how the different ways it's used, you know, as far as earning money through work, uh, describing the deserved punishment for sin. Uh, as Paul wrote in Romans 6 and 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul referred there and made the statement that payment for a sinful life is death. We think about physical death there? Spiritual Spiritual death. 
We can still live physically, but be dead spiritually. Um, so again, the introduction lays out, thankfully God graciously made it possible for us to escape this fate by sending Jesus to die in our place. Uh, those who Peter wrote here obtained a like precious faith, he said, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, they had obeyed the gospel, thus accepting the gift of eternal life offered by God. But what was their problem here? Yeah. Uh, the word you use the word, they're exploiting them. They were, you know, telling them maybe what they wanted to hear, how they wanted to hear it, and uh, maybe they, um, maybe they, they were saying, well, you don't have to do this to be a Christian. You don't have to do this to go to heaven, or kind of what we hear today. I mean, same thing. You know, salvation, call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. That's, that's a lot easier, I guess you could say, than what Lord, what God has put down that we should do. Um, so, again, they're exploiting them. Uh, and whether they realize it or not, the book says, the false teachers who rejected Jesus, the gift of God there, in favor of their own lust, chose to accept the wages of their behavior. What did Peter say there in the introduction that will be their fate? Perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness. The introduction there at the bottom of that page lays out that through this teaching, through Peter's words, we're going to see that we must withstand, oppose their selfish and vile efforts. You know, we can under the one commentator writes there says, when we consider the false teachings that the early church faced, says we can understand Peter's desire to encourage the believers to be strong in their spiritual lives. Peter provides all the necessary ammunition uh, that they need to be successfully or to successfully oppose the false teachers and defeat their purposes. Um, alerts them of the war they must fight, equips them with the spiritual armor, the book says. The very last statement of that, rather than dismissing Jesus as the false teachers, evidently attempted to do so, we must cling to him above all else. So the introduction lays out a good foundation for us here. And it was read just a moment ago in 2 Peter 2 and 12 through 17. Uh, Peter reveals these, he describes their actions, uh, compares them to, to what they're? Yeah, a brute beast made to be caught and destroyed. Because they speak evil of the things that they do not understand and they'll perish in their own corruption. He gives you an example there of those brute beasts Irrational, you know, it's it's a <clears throat> a rational person and an irrational person in the middle of a conversation or discussion or whatever. Will they ever? I mean, hopefully they would, but would they naturally come to an agreement? <laughs> 
No. No. Um, often we're referred to, I say we're, I say we as Christians who teach that there's one church and one baptism and one faith and one belief and, and all these things. A lot of people were called that, aren't we? You're irrational. You're irrational, but they, what are they saying? You're irrational compared to who? Huh? Yeah, to them in the world. This is what the world says. How can you be that different from the world? Well, because Scripture says I'm supposed to be different than the world. Um, so, you know, you, you think about that and, and, and how we are to be different. But, you know, I think the Scripture refers to us as peculiar people. We're to be peculiar. Um, and, and I think that's what we're, where we have to go with that. Um, he said they would receive their, their wages... And uh, he says that they carouse in the daytime. He said they'll be paid back for those wages for the harm they have done. Uh, but again, he talks about that instead they carouse in the daytime. What, what kind of reference is he given there when he says that? <laughs> Openly, sin most of the time is done under the cover of what? Darkness. Darkness. Secretly. Don't want everybody to know. Don't want anybody to see. Uh, sin is often done in, in that way. And these people were so, so sinful and unrighteous and uh, going after their own fleshly lust and and so confident in themselves that they were doing what? Openly flaunting it in the daytime. Um, kind of like what? No shame. No shame? Kind of like who today? The world. Yeah. There's no shame in our world anymore, for the most part. <laughs> There's no shame at all. People openly sin. They openly do whatever because nobody shames them anymore. In a conversation this this week, and we was discussing another another individual for some things, and and the group was there was a statement made that uh, we needed more diversity in our country. <laughs> yeah. And the group that I was discussing that with and the panel that I was discussing that with was, was like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm sitting there and I've, 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 got, I've got to say something. 
You know, I, I was the only one, and I'm patting myself on the back, but I was the only one that's going to say anything. And I had to say something. You should have seen their faces. Really? You know, you know we can't say that. I thought, yes, I can say that. I just did say that. <laughs> I just did say. Um, I wasn't the most popular one in that group, I can tell you that. But I'll tell you what, they got my point across. And in that same, same, uh, same comment and same conversation, well, what do you mean that we're losing our small town values? I said, well, when you take and put in alcohol on the square and when you put all the whatever's coming in else is down there, whatever, I said, we're losing our small town values. I said, my father-in-law wouldn't even be able to ride around the square. I said, because he wouldn't even drive by the bull and thistle. <laughs> O'Neill said, I'm going the other way. I ain't driving by it. I get hit by a drunk man. We turn, go up by the drugstore. I said, yeah, we're losing that. So anyway, sin is just flaunted. Everywhere you look, it's flaunted. Um, and, and it's being flaunted a whole lot right here just in our little county. Sadly, sadly. Um, but again, he goes on, he notes their spots and blemishes, uh, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. One commentator writes, the judgment is validated by graphic details of their actions and activities of these false teachers. It says, even though the pagan world generally practiced its deceit under the cover of darkness, but these people were without shame. They began their parties before dark and apparently turned the church's fellowship meals and communion gathering into what? A drunken celebration. That was another statement I made in that, in that meeting I was in. I said, you can't tell me that one good thing comes out of one ounce of alcohol. By the way, they was glad when my meeting was over. They was glad when I was gone, uh, I'm sure. And I said, that's one reason why I couldn't be in office down here at this courthouse and in this county. I said, because they'd be wanting me to vote this in, vote that in, and I'd be the only one that says, no, 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 no. I wouldn't serve but one term <laughs> if I ran for anything. Uh, but I'm going to tell you what, we've got to have people to stand up. Our lesson today in our worship service is called Boldness for Him in public. One of the points is in public. And you're going to notice that Peter and all of them, they were talking to, I'm telling you my sermon now, but they were, they were talking to the rulers. They were talking to high people and telling them this is wrong. This is where you got to stand. We don't have that much anymore, do we? If we do, they're not listening. And, you know, we may have people out there who are doing that. <coughs> That's why when I can find a, when, when I look to, to vote in an election, I find a good man or woman who is trying to stand for the morals and principles of God. That's why I do what I do. Um, that's like that's what we have to do as a Christian, to be honest with you. But anyway, 
They were openly sexually immoral. Peter refers to them there uh, as having eyes of what? Full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. Literally, they were looking for what? A companion, adulteress. They never stopped sinning, constantly seeking someone with whom they could commit adultery. Unfortunately, they are sometimes successful because among Christians, some are not well grounded. And these unstable Christians are without doubt the target of much of the teaching of the false teachers, just like today. That's why it's important that when we convert someone and they're a babe in Christ, we need to wrap them up, protect them, and take and get them started and rooted in the Lord's church. Get them up doing something like they feel like they're part of something. Because eventually the world's going to do what? Well, the world, I say eventually, they start immediately trying to what? Bring them back out. That's Satan. He goes on. The false teachers of Jude, he refers to this term, the grace of God, or the grace of our God, into lewdness. They completely dismissed our Lord's warning about looking at a woman lustfully with a lustful intent. Matthew 5 and 28. What does that say? Well, whosoever what? One whoever looks upon a woman and lusts after her. And believe me, that goes both ways. Not just man or whatever. Man, but a man, but a woman too. When we even look at another woman and lust after her in that sinful, sexual way, what does the Lord say? We've already committed adultery in our heart. You know how hard that is as a young man when our young girls dress the way they do and vice versa? That's why the warning comes in the, in the Bible says that our, our, young, our, our older should teach our younger to be chast keepers, to be good moral uh, women and, 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 and uh, I can't how use the word now, but in their life, in the way of life, their conversation uh, should be godly, profess godliness. And I'm going to tell you, <laughs> my daughter went to the state fair last night with one of her friends. And the parents that had taken them, whatever, they were texting back and saying about how ungodly the dress was. It was unreal. It was unreal. And I reckon now the thing for guys is, used to, it went to long shorts for guys. Now they wear them little bitty skimpy shorts way up here. Uh, and I'm going to tell you what, some folks just don't need, I mean, nobody needs to wear that, but, I mean, that's just, that'd be like, clean. that'd be like me and you trying to put them things on. <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, but, you know, that's it, it, the way it was. That's the way it was. They flaunt it around. You know, they, they flaunt it around, and, and it's, it's not, uh, that's what the way these people were. He also makes a point there, they were greedy. 
Their heart was trained in covetous practices and accursed in our cursed children. Uh, training greed. They were not teaching in order to bring the good news and the salvation. They were seeking to indulge their lust and pad their pockets. We say that a lot today, don't we? Yeah, and a lot of a lot of TV preachers and things. And he also refers there, he says, to the prophet Balaam and his donkey. Balaam was a prophet for hire. He was willing to be hired and do and use his powers and things that God gave him for an amount of money, wasn't he? Go read that, read that story in the book of uh, Numbers. Remember, they led the angels. The donkey could see what he couldn't see. The, the angels there. Oh. And he talks about that conversation. He was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey, speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. And although Balaam heeded that initial warning, he did not reform, did he? And a lot, he gives a reference that a lot of false teachers resembled Balaam. Loved money and was willing to pursue it instead of God. False teachers left, have left the biblical way and have gone into Balaam's era, mercenary greed and sexual impurity. Sadly, no beast restrained the false teachers. Instead, they promised much but providing nothing. He talks about how emptiness their words and their teaching was. He says, wells without water, clouds carried by tempest. And he said, and ultimately they would receive their punishment, didn't he? Same thing today. 18 through 22, um, in, our, in our text, the title here, Warning from Animals. False teachers conveyed was seemingly impressive. They had deceptive words and were pregnant with false hope, but only emptiness. Notice that one statement. Rather than encouraging righteous behavior and spiritual growth, false teachers, they are lured to the lust of the flesh, their lewdness. We've already talked about that. And in the next section or the next little paragraph there, he says what? Who were their targets? New converts, new Christians. Because they were the easiest ones. And then he said, he refers there to the slaves of sin. False teachers promised liberty, but they themselves were slaves of sin. For what a man is overcome by this, he is enslaved. Peter had serious addictions and sin in mind. Sexual license can also enslave uh, people who uh, become enslaved to their sexual habits, sometimes see the hopelessly destructive outcome of their way of life. They want out, but they have become so enmeshed that they do not know how to get out. The same can be said for greed, alcohol, or other drug addiction and bitterness. 
The restraints that Jesus placed on people are for the sake of good, happy, and fulfilled lives. So he, he, he talks about how they're enslaved. When a man is overcome by fleshly lust, he often becomes enslaved by that. Let's talk about that just for a second. What does it mean to be enslaved to something? Addicted? Controlled by it? You know, a lot of times we do think about just alcohol and and you know, drugs and whatever, but is there anything else? Oh, there's all kinds of stuff. Work could be that. What else? You say eating. Why do you look at me like that for when you said that? <laughs> Money. Yeah. Do yeah. what? Hobbies. It could be anything that controls you. Let's think about it. Is there anything in your life right now that controls you? Brandon, I've seen that. I've seen you look over at Emily. <laughs> he does these subtle little looks. As I'm teaching and stuff, he just kind of like looks over. Uh, it, it could be anything, couldn't it? Um, you know, you think about what, what about, uh, again, you know, I, I love our technology, but what about technology? Has it or can it enslave us? Yes, it has enslaved a lot of people. I mean, we've used this example before. Just go out to eat and watch a family that sits there. What are they usually doing? Tapping on their phone. You're sitting in your living room. I control this at my house. I watch this at my house. We have our time, but when we're sitting in the living room as a family and we're just all laid back with our blankets and chilling out and this, that, and other, and there's, we've all come together just to enjoy and talk and this, that, and other, I control that in my house. I, I will say, all right, too much time on our phone. We need to talk. <laughs> yeah, and, and I can see how that happens because I mean I can see how that happens because you know I I I like my phone. I ain't gonna tell you I like my phone. And what, now that I know that you can tell that woman to remind you about something, that's even more better. Because uh, I forget stuff. I can tell her say, "Hey, remind me." <laughs> Then she'll remind me 30, if I, can, I, I can set it 30 minutes a day ahead or whatever, and I don't set it a day ahead, 30 minutes is about as good. I got time. Anywhere I need to be, I can be in Cookville in 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, but that's a great thing. Uh, but we can bum enslaved in that, can't we? You know, when our, when, when our homes and our families become enslaved to technology, that we don't spend any time or whatever. I seen a picture uh, of me and them shucking corn under the tree yesterday on, on Facebook. And, uh, and 
And I thought about when I was a kid, man, I don't know how many hours we stood. Laura said, Lauren said she was glad that she recruited somebody else and her to have to shuck corn. Uh, but I can remember that, sitting on a tree shucking corn and shelling peas and the fingers be purple. Uh, that was just a lot of, it was good times. You got to talk a lot, didn't you? Um, so again, we can become a slave to a lot of things uh, in, this, in this old world. But you think about it. He goes on, he says, false teachers, Peter described, escape the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Worst of all, the false teachers uh, he described had previously, but only to turn back to the world in wickedness. And he goes on to say in verses 20 and 21 that the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Now notice this, for it had been better for them, what? Not to even known and obeyed and known the way of righteousness. Now notice what it says there to, to go on, that having known it and turned away holy commandment and delivered them. Their last state, as a commentator writes, is worse than the first and will bring a greater degree of punishment. One commentator writes there. That for Sunday, now what that means, this is very, one who had become a Christian, who had been baptized and says, I want to follow Christ and I want to, to do what's right. And they learned the truth and they turned away back into the world and to sin. And what they're saying is it would have been better for you not to even done that. It had been better for you than just to not even become a Christian, not even known for you to have known and then to turn your back on it. And Wayne Jackson writes there and says, there'll be a greater punishment for those people. For him who to know to do good is, what is that? And do it not? is sin. So if you know to do good, he's saying you better be doing it. And you think about how many people that we have lost that went back into the world. A greater degree of punishment for those. He even returns to it as something as gross as a dog returning back to its own vomit. A sow that's been washed returning back to the mire, the, the mud hole. That's the references he gives there to us. And he says it's even more disgusting for a child of God to turn back to those ways of, of wickedness. The application there, the fleshly focus on the, of the false teachers Peter described is striking. Rather than concerning themselves with promoting Jesus, they sought to fulfill their own desires. Neither their sexual lust or greed could be satisfied. Having dismissed Jesus from their lives, their desires became their gods. It says, whether individuals in the church promote similar falsehoods today, the world we live in certainly does. Individuals are told, be what? True to yourself. Live your best life. Such phrases, whether knowingly or unknowingly, promote liberty while encouraging selfishness and sinful behavior. Beware. What do we think about today in that world, in our world today? What do they, what do they tell these folks, these kids who they say ain't found themselves yet? Don't be afraid to be who you are different. That's right. 
you know, in our world today, they're promoting them. They're promoting them to be to be different. They're promoting them to, if you feel like a woman, be a woman. Folks, there just ain't nothing right about that. <laughs> I can't say it any more straighter. But again, the next application, possibility of turning back, not to be turning back. Dog and a sow uses those examples there, doesn't he? Turns true righteousness into wickedness. To be set free from sin is wonderful, but to willfully turn back is terrible. Question is, what did Peter compare false teachers to? Natural Bruce Beast. Number two, what did false teachers speak evil of? Things they don't understand. How did Peter emphasize the wickedness of false teachers? Carouse during the daytime, right? What specific sins the false teachers did Peter mention? They had eyes of covetousness and full of adultery. What Old Testament character did he reference? Balaam. What did Peter say the false teachers would attempt to do? That's right, allure them away. And what two animals did he illustrate disgusting, uh, to illustrate the disgusting turn from unrighteousness to wickedness? Dog and the sow. All right, we'll stop right there. Thanks for your comments this morning and good attention. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're thankful for the day and the blessings of it. We're thankful for all that you do for us, and we pray, Father, that we'll always put you first in what we do and say. Pray that you'll be with us there in worship. Help us worship you in spirit and in truth. And we pray for those who are sick and ailing in any way today, and you can bless them and give them and meet their needs. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.